Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Richard Swan, author of the new fantasy novel, The Justice of Kings. Sebastian de Castel, author of the novel Spellslinger, wrote about the Justice of Kings. The Justice of Kings is equal parts heroic fantasy and murder mystery. Sir Conrad von Vault's fierce intellect and arcane powers will make you long to follow in his footsteps, but it's his young cleric, Helena, who brings heart and dazzle to the story. Together, they're a formidable team, and Richard Swan's sophisticated take on the fantasy genre will leave readers hungry for more. Richard, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. It was very nice of Sebastian to say those things, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your new novel, The Justice of Kings, how would you describe the novel? I would, I would describe it probably as an epic fantasy murder mystery. Um, in the first instance, um, so when I the, the early inspiration for the novel came from um, Robert Harris's Imperium, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but it's a um, it's the first in a trilogy of uh, uh, novels about um, the old Roman um, consul uh, Cicero, um, and it, that's actually where the narrative structure came from as well, because it's the sort of the second. You know, Helena is telling the story of Sir Conrad, so it's a kind of I'm a, a lawyer or a litigator uh, by trade, and so I had this idea of introducing that aspect of my my work and my life into a fantasy setting, um, and uh, it kind of morphed into both having a kind of fantasy courtroom, um, fantasy lawyers aspect, but also a, an investigative aspect as well. So I wanted to bring in the kind of the the more police procedural aspect as well. So yeah, I, I think it's a kind of a sort of a mix of police procedural murder mystery. But uh, there's a little bit of magic in there as well, and a kind of in a fictional uh, fantasy setting. So I think I, when I pitched it to my agent, I said something like, "It's uh, it's Judge Judge Dredd meets The Witcher," um, which <laughs> I, yeah, which they obviously very they they liked. I think they keep pushing the kind of Judge Dredd slash Witcher angle. But I, I'm not actually. I mean, you've read most of the book. I I don't think the Judge Dredd is that is that good a comparison. I think it was you know sort of very convenient shorthand. But I think. Um, yeah, you know, the main character is probably a little more cerebral than Judge Dredd is. <laughs> sure, I, and, yeah. and I totally understand the Judge Dredd uh, reference because when mm. I was reading it, I actually thought about that because I will joke yes. sometimes when I'm driving um, in my car with my mm. kids when I'm yeah. you know behind a really irritating driver. I wish I was Judge <laughs> Dredd. Um, the whole idea of judge, jury, and executioner. Exactly, um, but yeah. that's obviously where the character of you know Sir Conrad von Bolt comes from. Is he's 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 a one stop legal shop essentially. You know, has, has unlimited power within the confines of the common law to you know investigate and try crimes and pass judgment. So you know, he's, he, in that respect, he's a he's a Judge Dredd character. But I think uh, I've seen people compare him more to Sherlock Holmes actually than Judge Dredd, <laughs> which I hadn't thought about. But actually, I think that's probably more accurate. Sure. Well, in, in a lot of fantasy novels, you might read a reference to a king's decree or something similar, but you never really uh, see authors get into the legal system of a fantasy world. And, no. and your idea of justice as roaming the land and the legal system that underpins your novel and world mm. building is, is really interesting. Thank you, you, yeah. you work as a lawyer, as you mentioned. Is, is that what prompted you to write The Justice of Kings? It certainly was. Um, it certainly was a big factor in it. Yeah, uh, years ago, I um, I had this idea for you know you know how most novels 
start with a kind of the, the spark of an idea, don't they? Especially some of your high concept novels. So, and in this case, mine was, you know, what if lawyers but in fantasy? And um, <laughs> I, hadn't really, I hadn't really seen it done before, although I think I've since been I've since been told about um, Brandon Sanderson's Wax and Wayne, which I don't I don't know if they're lawyers, but they sound like they're private investigators of some sort or another. But um, I mean, I'm not familiar with those novels, but uh, I had I didn't know that it had been done before, and I just in my head to start off with it was just a purely a courtroom drama um and they would have the lawyers would have like a kind of what i called legomancy which is a sort of you know if you think about <laughs> what kind of powers would the lawyers would want if they could have magical powers and you know this is where the nascent kind of emperor's voice started to come from which was the idea to you know if i was an investigator what powers would i want i would want the ab- ability to sort of compel someone to give me a confession i would want someone you know, I'd want maybe want the, the power to kind of speak to the to victims of crime if they'd been killed, you know, murder victims. I'd want to speak to them and ask them, you know, who'd killed them essentially. And, you know, all these, you know, the power to turn animals and uh, into witnesses and things because, you know, they're everywhere. So uh, it was it was thinking through the sort of different powers that I would want a lawyer to have. And, you know, as, as with all books, inspiration came from many different sources. But you know, that was the kind of the early, the very earliest kernel of the idea, which, you know, was many, many years ago now. And, um, you know, over time, you know, it's been added to, I read other books, I, you know, played the, the video game of the, the Witcher and, um, you know, a few other bits and pieces all started kind of feeding into it. Um, but yeah, as, as I say, that, that early, what, what if lawyers, you know, in space, though, but in, <laughs> in a fantasy world, um, that was the kind of, yeah, exactly. And I was, I was obviously drawing on my own experiences of the legal system at the time. Sure. Well, as you alluded to very briefly earlier, uh, the novel is narrated by a 19-year-old woman, uh, yes. a clerk, Helena Sadanka, the, the mm. clerk for Sir Conrad von Vault. And I'm curious about your decision for choosing her as the narrator. Did you ever consider or did you ever draft um, part of the book writing from von Vault's point of view? I didn't actually, no. It was, it was always... Um... It was always going to be from a, a second um, party, and I think a lot of people were sort of have been slightly caught out by that because I think they weren't expecting it to be Sir Conrad who's narrating the, the tale. I think the difficulty with a character like von Bolt is, um, you know, he's this kind of slightly enigmatic, inscrutable character, very straight laced, um, you know, very kind of serious and and a, and a bit brooding, and I think. Um, but he's so important to the, both the rise and, and the decline of the Soviet Empire in the novel, um, and so I think a character like that is interest is it is an interesting character, and he obviously has his own arc. But I think to have had this story from his point of view would have been a mistake because I don't think it would have been as interesting. I think you know you would have seen all of his inner workings and his mind, the way his mind kind of worked and sure. works around a problem, and. It, it, it robs a lot of the dramatic tension from the novel, I think. Um, and it also, you know, Helena being what she is, you know, Helena's character specifically, you know, and she's kind of at this crossroads in her life. You know, she's had a fairly horrible upbringing, but, you know, now things are going well, but at the same time, she's not sure if she wants to be a justice. So she herself is very uncertain about her own self and her future and her prospects. Um, and so I think seeing the story through her lens when she can put a lot more kind of emotional spin on events um just makes it a more interesting novel to read um and and seeing how kind of von Bolt's actions and 
you know what he does impacts on her and and the i suppose it provides a slightly less you know if von Vol was to tell the story he would say oh yes i did this because it was obviously the correct thing to do at the time um whereas helena can kind of provide a, a more of a critical lens through which their their actions are um you know perceived and obviously she's in the novel she's an old woman she's telling the story from um oh you you know that yeah that's not a spoiler um it's gonna say that yeah. the, whole, the whole book is premised on this um you know she's an old woman and she's in the, kind of narrating the story from her you know elderly future um so right. she can sort of inject some dramatic irony into the novel as well um so you know I, I, it was always going to be someone else it was just making sure that i got that and also you know the, the other reason i made it a, you know a girl as well was um just to make just to keep it that kind of it's a it's it's a because the the novel is a kind of sort of parochial patriarchal cold society um the further out of sober you get um it enabled me to kind of examine a few other kind of themes as well and so as the trilogy goes on we sort of see and we come into sober and we see how everything is equal there you know the empire will use you they don't care who you are what you look like whereas out in the kind of out the sticks where they spend most of the, the book one it's still a very kind of you know oppressive patriarchal society so it, it also enabled me to kind of examine other themes alongside you know the, the character examination of von Bolt as well sure well, I know that The Justice of Kings is the first book in a trilogy. Did mm. you plan or outline the kind of uh, the the story arc for the entire trilogy before writing The Justice of Kings? Yeah, I did. Well, I mean, I had to actually contract contractually. <laughs> I had to. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't. Initially, when I planned the, the book, I, I had planned it to be a sort of like a Dresden Files-esque you know, series in which sort of one mm-hmm. bot would solve a, a different crime, you know, each book. But, um, you know, the, the gradually that evolved into, into a trilogy. I tend to write trilogies. I think they're, a, they're the most effective storytelling tool. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I like them. I like reading them and I like writing them. And so it, it evolved into that. And um, when I got my contract with Orbit, um, I had to provide an outline you know, fairly detailed synopsis of, um, you know, the <laughs> second to third books. Because so, my editor was like, oh, we've, we, we've had some, you know, horror shows of the past where book two has just gone, you know, it's been a sort of a high fantasy novel for book one. And then suddenly, you know, book two aliens, you know, <laughs> have yeah. landed. And it's sort of like, well, you know, that's not what we signed up for sort of thing. So, you know, I think they like to kind of just check everything is above board before they, you know, sign over the money. So, um, yes, I, I have planned it all out. And uh, if I, oh, in fact, uh, about to finish book two and uh, I'm part way through book three. So, you know, just after publication of book one so it's all very well advanced at the moment gotcha so what was your initial writing journey that led you to uh writing and getting the justice of kings published um i mean it's it's a long one really i mean i i'm 32 now and i i started writing when i was about um about 12 or 13 just one day decided i was going to write a story um you know i had my head sort of full of you know the 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 popular media at the time, I think it was the sort of Star Wars prequel trilogy going on, and um, you know Halo video games and all this kind of stuff, and uh, I had a head, a head full of ideas, and I, I decided I wanted to write, start writing, and I, you know I did, and you know wrote my first kind of, I thought I say I always say novel because it was only about twenty thousand words, but it certainly felt like a novel at the time, um, you know, and 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 since then it, it just I could just kind of fell into it as a hobby, I, you know, it was something I just I kept ticking along. I wrote another a book a year later with a friend, and then. You know, after that, I wrote in when I was in what we would call sixth form, which is kind of your final year of school. 
mm-hmm. um, till 17, 18 years old, I, um, I wrote a book called Mindscape, and that kind of was really the blueprint for every novel I've written since in terms of how I approach, you know, novel writing, um, you know, in terms of length and structure. So, I mean, I wrote that, and that was very important as a kind of developmental milestone. And then since then, really, it's just been a question of, you know, just keep churning them out. And for the longest time, it was just a hobby. And then when I got to about 2015, I think, you know, the Amazon Kindle kind of self KDP, you know, self-publishing framework. Sure. Mm-hmm. had really kind of yeah matured and um i sort of stumbled across it by accident one day and i hadn't really heard anything about it but i decided i was going to you know do that because i hadn't written anything for a couple of years by that point so i you know i've, I've always considered myself a science fiction writer i've been you know a bit like you i've been writing science fiction for many 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 years um so this is actually my first fantasy novel the justice of kings um but i i self-published a in 2015 2016 2017 i self-published a science fiction trilogy and then a few other kind of spin-off novellas and, and prequels and things and they did they did it pretty well i was i was happy with those and the performance of those and then i had a a much more typical self-publishing experience after that which was i i self-published something a sort of military science fiction novel and uh you know did no marketing or anything like that at all and I basically it just completely tanked like you know, nothing happened no one bought it and i thought you know what that was that was a year's that was a year of time and effort so, um mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, it used to be like an end in itself, but you know, now it's kind of if I'm going to spend all of this time and, and effort on it, then I, you know, want a little bit of a, a, a readership, you know, off the back of it. So I thought maybe it was time to leave the self-publishing behind. And um, and you know, being traditionally published has, has been a long-term goal of mine. It's something I wanted to do for a well since I was you know started writing really. So I you know I, I came back to this and I, I wrote the Justice of Kings and. You know, and then my from there the path of publishing was actually a tremendously quick one. I um, you know, I got an agent very quickly, and then the orbit, who I obviously you know got the deal from, they they bought it, they preempted it um quite quickly as well within a month. So it was a kind of they obviously yeah, everybody liked it. They, it was a, it was a straight shot to the to the publishing market. There was no kind of which is fantastic for me. Obviously, there was no kind of years in the you know, querying and all that. You know, which which um. Lots of people have to unfortunately deal with. I just everything you know, stars aligned, and it just happens. So um, it's not the most inspirational story, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you you wrote a recent article on Chuck Wendig's blog about the fact mm. that you wrote a million words of fiction before you wrote The Justice of Kings. That's right. What do you think you were learning as a writer with those million words and those early stories and novels? I think it's you know, occasionally I'll, I'll go, you know. If I'm bored or whatever, I'll go back and look at my early writing, and I think it's it's never like it's never you know of course I would say this, but it's never bad. It's it's always kind of like quite childlike. So when I first started in my early teens, you know, even that the, the writing isn't rubbish in the sense of the sentence structure is is bad or the syntax is bad. You know, there's no run on. It's nothing like that. It's just the story is bad. You know, the plot is bad and all that kind of thing. So I think for me personally, I. You know, it's something I've always had if I, a bit of a flair for. If I, you know, it sounds like a horrible brag, but I feel like I've uh, the actual kind of technique of writing I've I've had for a long time. It's 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 for me. It's been about more about the kind of the plotting and the character arcs and things that I've had to kind of mm-hmm. get squared away. And you know, it's literally like anything. It's like learning the tuba. You've got to just you know put the hours in. Um, and I did end up 
lots of people will be able to just like write one book and it'll be brilliant and i suspect those people who do that will be adults already i think it's very difficult to start <laughs> writing in your teens and and write like an excellent book um you know because some of it comes with ex- like life experience you know which is also important so i think you know it's very 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 rare to see any kind of published novelist in their you know teens or early 20s or even their mid to late 20s you know that's even that's quite rare these days um but I, so so that kind of speaks to I think just the, the sheer perseverance of it, and I I, I just learned how to write a book. I mean, it's bizarre; it's, it's so difficult to put into words because you know you know what a, you know how a novel is supposed to go, right? I mean, you've read plenty right. of them; you you kind of know the structure of one. You know, you just and and I think what lo- writing lots and lots does is it gives you just more of an innate feel of when things should happen and how they should happen. Mm-hmm. And so the the advice that you will get from any, anyone, you know, any writer is, you know, you've got if you want to be a novelist, you've got to read a lot and you've got to write a lot. Um, and that that's been the that it's been the advice for um, you know for centuries. You know, it's, that's and that's the, that's kind of the only advice you need to know, really. And that's all I've done. I've just written, I think it's about one point three million words. You know, when I counted them all up, and about I started self publishing at about the half million word mark, and I think that was when I hit my narrative kind of voice stride so you know if you go if you look if one looks back at my self-published stuff in 2015 the actual quality of the writing is basically the same as the, the justice of kings like it's it's no worse um mm-hmm. i think the difference is there's, there's no editorial oversight on that book that's literally just me writing what i feel like writing so i i suspect it's probably structurally it's not particularly sound um and that's you know that's where and and that'll 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 always be the role of the editors is to kind of you know cast a critical eye over the the novel and that's why that's so important because as, as as good as you think you are there's always something you can do better um, and so it's it's been it's for me it's been about honing that just that innate sense of you know I, I start writing a book now I've got to the point because I've because I've written so much you know when I get pen to paper um, it will be my first draft will be okay. You know, it, it, it doesn't need like endless revisions or so, because as I say, because you've written that volume of words, you, you have just an innate feel of what needs to go where. Whereas I think another way of approaching it would be like, okay, if you wrote like one book, but then you revised it 10 times or you rewrote right. it 10 times, that would be like the equivalent, <laughs> wouldn't it? Like if you'd never written before you sat down and you wrote a book and it would be, you know, it would be terrible. But if you revised it, like, if you rewrote the book 10 times, it's kind of the same thing. If it was a hundred thousand word book, it's kind of the same thing. You know, all I've done is I've just written like, you know, 20 odd books, but they're all just kind of sitting on hard drives or whatever, you know, they'll never see the light of day because they're rubbish. But um, <laughs> you know, what it's done is it's uh, got me to that point where I can just kind of turn out a fairly, you know, fairly okay novel in, in one pass. And that just takes time and practice. Like, as I say, like anything. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Sure. Well, well, you 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 mentioned earlier that you had to write a detailed outline for Orbit. I'm yeah. curious in terms of the actual writing process for The Justice of Kings. Did you 
outline uh, the novel extensively before you started writing? What was With that this, process like? Yeah, I, I mean, I did. This, I, I do plan my novels, and I, I'm aware. Some people don't, which is extraordinary to me, but the. Um, I think with this one, because there were so many moving parts in it, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's got, um, it, when I, when I write sort of, you know, pl- what people would say, you know, political kind of, um, scheming and plotting and things, cause there is, you know, a fair bit of that in this, in this book and different factions. One thing I don't like when I, especially in my reading and I'm watching movies and things is, is so many factions are, are quite kind of, um, Oh, what's the word? Kind of monolithic. So you'll have like the Empire and the Rebellion, for example, in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But there'll there'll be there'll be there's no nuance there. You know, you're either it's binary. You're either one or the other. And I'm sure there probably is nuance in the kind of expanded universe. But just as an example, and sure, this is like sure. this is like a, a kind of classic thing, isn't it? So, and what I wanted to avoid is just having like, you know, the good guys and the bad guys. I wanted to have like factions within factions. You know, so so to give it a bit of verisimilitude. So instead of just having like you know in in this novel we've got the sovereign templars who are kind of a one of the neiman martial orders and we've got you know the Mulianar patricians who are a, who are a faction of senators and then you've got the haugenate senators who are kind of loyal to the the emperor and you've got the emperor and so there's lots of kind of there's lots of moving parts here but i i wanted that because i wanted it to be more realistic i wanted it to be like well not everybody who belongs to this group is going to believe in these things not everybody who belongs to that group is going to so I wanted to have the complexity, but it, if you write the complexity, you're, you're making a bit of a rod for your own back. So you, I had to write it all down. I had to kind of plan it, not like in meticulous detail, because I like to give myself a bit of wiggle room when I'm writing a chapter. Um, but I, you know, I had to, I had to know where everything is going, um, and so that tends to involve, you know, at the very beginning. And this is the, you know, in many ways, the fun bit is kind of sitting down and, and building the worlds, you know, the sandbox, and so. You know, who are these guys? What do they want? Who are these guys, and what do they want? You know, how do they, how do they kind of conflict, or how do they align? And um, and once you've kind of, and it's a bit, it's the same as writing the murder mystery. You know, when I write the murder mystery, I sit down and I think, right, the first thing we're going to write is what actually happened, so that you know, once you've got the, this is how this person was murdered, and this is who did it. Once you've got that all set out that's that's the golden thread that runs through your plotting so you can always re- it's like a kind of reference manual you can always come back to it and that's like that's the absolute story so to make sure you have the continuity but yeah so with, with this book i did have to you know i did have to give it some serious thought and, and planning um because otherwise i think you know you get into all kinds of trouble about halfway through um sure. so so yeah that's i didn't do it for all of my books but for this one i i definitely did yeah Sure. Well, you mentioned earlier that you are working on the third book and uh, mm. this trilogy now that you're writing it. Have you thought beyond that? Do you think that you'll write more Von Volt novels or will you, um, you mentioned that you feel like you're a science fiction novelist. Will you, will you see if Orbit is interested in the science fiction series? Oh, I'd, I mean, I'd, lo- I'd, I'd love to. The, 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 <laughs> I've spoken, I have spoken to Orbit. Uh, I did have some idea. I did, I do have some ideas and I, I, I do have some ideas if for this sandbox my current thinking is i'd like to keep writing kind of empire of the wolf novels but um advance the storyline like a, a few centuries each time so a bit like <laughs> kind of Pollock's kind of pillars of the earth where we're following you know generations of people as you know the, the empire kind of waxes and wanes over the sort of course of history and the other day i was reading um i was reading uh fonda lee's jade war are you familiar with the greenbone saga uh, I'm not. I, I, I mean, I'm familiar with the titles. I haven't read mm. them. 
either. I mean, they're fantastic. You absolutely should. But it's effectively a kind of fantasy. Um, it's a it's a it's fantasy set in a modern day. So it's a kind of like a how to describe it. A sort of like a Godfather set in um, Hong Kong, um, and the people have magical powers. Basically, so it's, it's I mean, it's an excellent trilogy of novels, and, and she's done extremely well out of them. I think. Um, but I thought, you know, I could bring the Empire of the Wolf up to like the modern day, you know, <laughs> it's and just keep it going. So. Uh, yeah, I have these. I do have these ideas, um, and I'd love to write sci-fi. But I think at the moment, um, you know, Orbit has kind of, and my, both Orbit and my agent have kind of rightly said, "Well, you kind of need to stick with fantasy for now." I think um, you know, for the foreseeable future, because you want to kind of be building up a readership, a base, and stuff. So, if I do write any science fiction, it's going to have to be in my spare time and probably release it <laughs> to some kind of pen name or something. I think, um, uh, but that's yeah. The, the, I, I do have, as I said, I do have other ideas, but. Um, so much of it depends on you know, how well sure. the book sells and, 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 and myriad different factors, as you can probably imagine. Well, well, you mentioned earlier about reading and writing in terms of uh, someone learning how to write. Is there mm-hmm. other writing advice that you would offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? I think I definitely think, um, you know, that for me personally, it's been about just getting as many words done on a page as as you possibly can and there's there's no substitute for that i think you know you can um you can read all of the advice that you like but at the end of the day you're going to have to write a lot of stories and i wouldn't write you know if you have like if one had like an idea that they really loved i would probably save that for a bit later and just write some other stuff first because you know i've got i've got a couple of friends who you know like like to write and i think um big problem that they have is you know they want everything to be perfect you know they want to be able to they want everything you know they want it all to go so flow smoothly from the get-go and, and of course it won't you know you could you can just pick up a saxophone and start playing it you know you have to learn the kind of the basics and and then you have to practice loads um and so i i think ultimately and i don't think i'm going to be able to add anything that um other writers haven't said before but it really is just about grinding out the words persevering um and if you are serious i mean people say if you're serious about being traditionally published you know you kind of have to know the market but i don't don't even think you need to need to know that i mean i think you just have to write what you want to write because that will always be your best work you know never write something that you feel will be a commercial success but that you're not passionate about because that will never work um and yeah and the rest will follow but it's it really is a numbers game um you know with with novel writing it's it's just about you know churning it out which takes time unfortunately <laughs> it takes many many years to, to do it but uh you know there it is that's that's all i've got um and i don't think you know i'm hardly a kind of the most successful author in the world so people don't care what i have to say but that's, <laughs> well, but that's well, it well what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed well i mean i mean as i say the Greenbone saga i'm reading in the moment i read jade city a few years ago and it was i mean it blew my mind it was excellent and then jade war is is also extremely good it's the second one and it's um it's taking a turn into kind of geopolitical fantasy it's just she's built this whole world it's like a fictional modern world um and it's like this cold war-esque um you know political fantasy i mean it's fantastic i've never anything like it in my life um I think Orbit are doing fantastic work at the moment. I, I really enjoyed Josiah Bancroft's Tower of Babel series. I thought those were some of the best novels I've ever read. Um, I recently read the Book of Coli by M.R. Carey as well, which is excellent, sort of um, Ridley Walker-esque post-apocalyptic fantasy. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's just I've got Stormblood up next, which is by Jeremy Sal, who's another Australian. I mean, I'm Australian, I'm British, but I just live here. Um, but he is Australian, and um, I'm going to read his book next. I'm really looking forward to that. That's a, that's back in that's much more back in my wheelhouse. That's a kind of I think it's like a cyberpunky sort of military sci-fi sci-fi-esque space opera. It's a cross-genre, you know, sci-fi novel, but I'm really looking forward to it. So once I finish Shade War, that'll be next on my my reading pile, and then I. I tend to sort of dip in and out of some Second World War nonfiction uh, when that, whenever the mood takes me. Still find that interesting. <laughs> That's great. Well, well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and the Justice of Kings? I am most active on Twitter. I, I have my handle is uh, Richard underscore S underscore Swan, um, and I have a website which I yeah, periodically slash infrequently update, which is just StoneTempleLibrary dot com. Um, and then I have you know the various other social bits and pieces, but um, I'm very findable these days, as is everybody, sadly. <laughs> Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Richard Swan, author of the new fantasy novel, The Justice of Kings. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Richard, thanks for doing this interview. Oh, thanks very much for having me, Jeff. Great. Now, stay tuned for a brief excerpt from the audiobook of The Justice of Kings by Richard Swan. Narrated by Lucy Patterson. Available wherever audiobooks are sold. It is a strange thing to think that the end of the Empire of the Wolf and all the death and devastation that came with it traced its long roots back to the tiny and insignificant village of Rill. That as we drew closer to it, we were not just plodding through a rainy, cold country twenty miles east of the Tolsberg marshes, we were approaching the precipice of the Great Decline, its steep and treacherous slope falling away from us like a cliff face of glassy obsidian. Rill. How to describe it? The birthplace of our misfortune was so plain. For its isolation, it was typical for the North Mark of Tolzberg. It was formed of a large communal square of churned mud and straw, and a ring of twenty buildings with wattle and daub walls and thatched roofs. The manor was distinguishable only by its size, being perhaps twice as big as the biggest cottage, but there the differences ended. It was as tumble-down as the rest of them. An inn lay off to one side, and livestock and peasants moved haphazardly through the public space. One benefit of the cold was that the smell wasn't so bad, but Von Volt still held a kerchief filled with dried lavender to his nose. He could be fussy like that. I should have been in a good mood. Rill was the first village we had come across since we had left the Imperial Wayfort on the Yagerland border and it marked the beginning of a crescent of settlements that ended in the Hauna Fortress of Seagard, fifty miles to the northeast. Our arrival here meant we were probably only a few weeks away from turning south again to complete the eastern half of our circuit, and that meant better weather, larger towns, and something approaching civilization. Instead, anxiety gnawed at me. My attention was fixed on the vast, ancient forest that bordered the village and stretched for a hundred miles north and west of us, all the way to the coast. It was home, according to the rumours 
we had been fed along the way to an old, dreadist witch. You think she is in there? Patria Bartholomew Claver asked from next to me. Claver was one of four people who made up our caravan, a Neiman priest who had imposed himself on us at the Yugland border. Ostensibly, it was for protection against bandits, though the Northmark was infamously desolate. And by his own account, he travelled almost everywhere alone. Who? I asked. Claver smiled without warmth. The witch, he said. No, I said curtly. I found Claver very irritating. Everyone did. Our itinerant lives were difficult enough, but Claver's incessant questioning over the last few weeks of every aspect of von Volt's practice and powers had worn us all down to the nub. I do. I turned. De Bain Bressinger, von Volt's taskman, was approaching, cheerfully eating an onion. He winked at me as his horse trotted past. Behind him was our employer, Sir Conrad von Volt, and at the very back was our donkey, disrespectfully named the Duke of Bronzy, which pulled a cart loaded with all our accoutrements. We had come to Rill for the same reason we went anywhere, to ensure that the Emperor's justice was done, even out here on the fringes of the Sovan Empire. For all their faults, the Sovans were great believers in justice for all, and they dispatched imperial magistrates like von Volt to tour the distant villages and towns of the empire as itinerant courts. I'm looking for Sir Ottmar Frost, I heard von Volt call out from the rear of our caravan. Bressinger had already dismounted and was summoning a local boy to make arrangements for our horses. One of the peasants pointed wordlessly at the manor, Von Volt grunted and dismounted. Patria Claver and I did the same. The mud was iron-hard beneath my feet. Helena, Von Volt called to me. The ledger. I nodded and retrieved the ledger from the cart. It was a heavy tome, with the thick leather jacket clad in iron and with a lockable clasp. It would be used to record any legal issues which arose, and Von Volt's considered judgments. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. 
Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.